gonna we're gonna actually dive into the book of Daniel today a little bit. Um, just as a reminder, we are uh, talking about a series entitled "Breaking Babylon," and uh, we no longer live in a nation that is a Christian nation. Uh, it is yes, it was founded on biblical principles, but uh, as I said last Sunday, our government has apostated itself and taken paths of disobedience away from God's word. Just saying those words coming off of my lips. In a very bold way, you know, over the last week since I since I spoke last Sunday on the start of this series, had a lot of emails and a lot of messages sent to me from people that have listened online and don't come to our church that have encouraged me. They appreciated the boldness. I have a lot of folks in our services that have contacted me and said we we appreciate the bold preaching. Listen, folks, you don't want to pat me on the back for boldness because you never know what you're going to get. We are living in Babylon today. Babylon, the example of worldliness, a place filled with every kind of wickedness, and an attitude and mindset of self-sufficiency against God. And as I said last week, God's doing something. He's injected us into this culture. He's purifying His church, and He's going to break Babylon as well. And we're going to go through Daniel to show this process over and over again in the book of Daniel. And it's sad, as I said last week, that it took the church so long to stand up for righteousness. We had involved ourselves in the world so much that it took something major like gay marriage to be made legal in the United States of America before the church really started drawing lines. Before they really began to stand up and say, no, we're not going to go down that path. It's taken a long time. It's sad that it's taken that long because we have desensitized ourselves and so many other things for so long. But I tell you today in boldness and truth and honesty that God is purifying His church to be a light to this dark day, to this dark generation. And that God, how was it He got the attention of the Jews in Egypt and the, and the Egyptians themselves? How was it that God got the attention of both the Jews and the Gentiles in Jesus' day? Remember? Signs and wonders. God is going to do signs and wonders, folks. Do you believe that He's going to do signs and wonders? He is going to be doing signs and wonders here in these last days. But there's a work that's got to be done in us today. And what I really want to focus on today is us as the church becoming purified by the hand of God and by the Spirit of God in our lives. If we're going to break Babylon, we do it when the people of God are broken by God first. The people of God have got to be broken first. And that's what we're really going to focus on today. If you look in Daniel chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says this, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Asphanaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. What we see here in these first four verses is what took place. Uh, that the, the children of Israel were taken from their nation. They had re- refused to serve God. They had, uh, they had begun to worship idols. They had given themselves over to worldliness. And they had lusted for things. And God gave it to them. 
He let them have what they sought after. He put them in the very heart of Babylon and said, Here, you wanted this so bad, you can have it. Until it burned in them. Until they realized what they had done. Until they saw their disobedience and they began to repent of it. I love this in verse 1 where it says, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged that. You know, you know what that means? It means that his men had gone and battled and warred and fought and took over. They, they besieged uh, Jerusalem. And then they said, Hey, uh, we're taking the city. You better get down here. <laughs> so all he does is show up and make it official. And it was him that took it. Don't you love kings? Don't you love them? Everybody does their dirty work and then they show up and get all the praise. Isn't that nice? But that's what happened there. And we know that they carried off to the temple some sacred things. Now, what broke Israel is the fact that their world changed. All the things that Jeremiah had prophesied, all the things that Isaiah had prophesied, others had prophesied, all they had spoken had been ignored. People had turned their heads, they'd ignored the prophets, the false prophets laughed at them and made fun of them for what they had said. And so they would weep and mourn before God. And now, here they were, taken from their homes. Here they were, removed from the promised land. Here they were in the place where God had promised them to be, the, the land of flowing with milk and honey, the place where all of their needs were always going to be met. And now suddenly, it wasn't just that they come in with a new government, they were taken, many were taken from their homes and hauled off to Babylon and placed into slavery in subjection to their king. Tell me, folks, that's going to break you. That's going to destroy you. But listen, it's happening to us. Our nation has been stolen for years. Our nation, little bit by little bit, has been given away. We've been shifting, folks, over the last 75 years from a nation that it's commonly based on Judeo-Christian values to a nation that's based on whatever philosophy it feels like it follows that day. And that is who we have become. And we base things off of that shifting philosophy and that shifting idealism. What happens when you build a house on sand that shifts? It falls. And great is that fall, folks. We've got to build our house on the only firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ. That's where we began, but we've moved off of it. We're in trouble as a nation until we get back. You can love me or hate me for that statement. I really don't care. It's the truth. And there are some things that have been stolen from the temple. You don't have to read very far into the book of Daniel before you stop and realize and see, wow, this is happening to us. We're losing our nation. It's out of control. It seems out of control. God's still in control, but it seems out of control. And they're stealing things that, that are, are uh, uh, supposed to be things that are, are safe inside of the temple. What are those? Well, a couple of them. Let's just talk about two. One of them is the sanctity of life. One of them we gave away in 1973. One of them was stolen in 1973, Roe versus Wade. How they come in and they say, well, it's not really alive until it comes out of the womb. It's not living. We can kill it if it's not. Listen, folks, it is a life. I really believe the psalmist said, I was knit together in my mother's womb. He wasn't just talking about him. He's talking about all of us. And that God had a plan for that little life. And God's got a plan. We've killed millions upon millions of babies because our government came in and said it's okay to do so. Let me tell you something. Anytime God's about to do something big in a nation, they attack the innocent. You can go back. I know you all know this. You can go back and look at Moses' life story. What happened? The children of Israel were in bondage. 
to Egypt. And then the king, led by an evil spirit, unbeknownst to himself, the Pharaoh says, we're going to have all these Hebrew babies, as soon as they're born, cast them into the Nile River and killed. But God raised up a Moses in spite of that. And God placed Moses in the king's palace. And God raised Moses up and he set those people free through signs and wonders. Think about Jesus incarnated into human flesh, the Son of God born onto this earth. And immediately after the Magi come and see Him and they leave and they, 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 they trick the king and go a different way, King Herod finds out and immediately he's mad. I want you to go kill every boy up to two years old in Bethlehem in the vicinity around it. Kill all of them. Jesus escaped. We know that by a vision that was given to his father, escaped out of there. And so he survived. And what did Jesus do? The Son of God raised up, walked among them, did signs and wonders. And the ultimate sign and wonder that he spoke of was the sign of the son of Jonah, where he'd be in the ground for three days and rise to life again. Folks, we know that. And we know that Jesus did signs and wonders in front of them. Why does that excite me? I know, as Christians, we've been looking at everything wrong. I said that last week. Listen, folks, we, we live in the United States of America, killing babies since 1973. I'm not proud of that. But something in my spirit is stirring that God's doing something. Something in my spirit is stirring that there's an enemy that wants to wipe out a generation in multiple generations, that God is raising some up in spite of the enemy's efforts. I believe today that there are going to be men and women out of my generation. I was born in 1972. Thank God for that. I was a mistake, y'all. It was an accident. Mom will tell you now. Mom will say, we prayed for you. It's like, no, you didn't. I'm full grown. I was born in 1972. I really believe there are men and women being raised up out of my generation. They're going to lead this nation back to God again. Now, whether or not the nation turns itself to God completely, there's going to be a revival that's going to sweep across this nation because there's an enemy that's tried to destroy. And God's raising up. I don't know if you feel that. I don't know if you sense that. But it's the truth. The other thing that's been attacked in our culture and been taken out of the temple and carried off to other gods has been marriage. The sanctity of marriage. Established in the Garden of Eden between a man and a woman. Between a man and a woman. Between a man and a woman. Listen, folks. I just want to stay on this and keep preaching about it, but I can't. You can believe it all you want that it's okay, woman and woman, man and man to marry, but there's always going to be roadblocks. You're never going to get past it. The government can tell you it's okay. They can give you a certificate of marriage and you can walk out happy that you're married. But when it comes time to have kids, it's not going to work. You've got to step out of the room. There's going to be roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Why? It's not right. It's God saying it's not right. I set it up a certain way. I told you to go fill the land. I told you to go reproduce and fill the land. You can't do it this way. It's the ultimate rebellion against God. It's impossible. 
Sure, you can get all the tax credits and benefits that you want, but you're not going to be able to have babies naturally. Why? It's not right. It doesn't work that way. It's being stolen from us. It's been taken away. And the children of Israel, in the same manner, looked around and said, what has happened? The precious things that were untouchable in the sanctuary have been removed and taken and set before other gods. Today, we're dealing with the same thing. But I want to encourage you. God is doing what God has always done. How many of you know God's still on the throne? He hadn't moved, hadn't left yet. He's not asleep. Not taking a nap. God is aware. And what he's doing right now is he's doing what he's always done. He's moving people into the right positions, the right place of influence so that he can move through them. That's who God is. That's how it always has been. And when the fire gets the hottest, that's when God shows up. I promise you, he is moving the places, people and places around. He's always done it scripturally. Again, look at Moses. Put in the Pharaoh's house and raised up there, taught to lead, taught and learned, learned how to read, learned how to, how to lead people. God did that. He should have been dead, but yet was raised up. We look at Eli and Samuel coming in under Eli, a wicked priest, and learning and growing and being used of God. You think it was a coincidence that David just happened to be the one found to play the harp for Saul? You think it was a coincidence that that David just so happened to be liked enough by Saul that he became his, his armor bearer? Listen, folks, you go through the Scripture over and over and over again, and you look at all these things, you have to know and understand that God's moving people in the right places to do His work. Joseph was made second command in in Egypt. He went from a prison cell of being a supposed rapist to being the second in command. Listen, don't ever remove God from this scenario. Don't ever take God out. Don't sit back and say, oh, what was me? Oh, our nation. This. Oh, listen, I spoke to you truth about our nation, but let me tell you some truth about my God. He hasn't given up yet. He hasn't quit yet. And He's moving people around. All He's doing, church, is stirring you and I up and purifying us and preparing us to do the work that He's called us to do. That's all He's doing. Relax. Receive it. Respond to it. And allow Him to transform your life. Secondly, True brokenness will always lead to holiness. Look at verse 5. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar. And I would have been like, Daniel was so much easier to spell. (laughs) Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved. Everybody say resolved. Resolved. Say it again. Resolved. Resolved. Say it like you mean it. There you go. Just waking you up. Had a bad morning. (laughs) Where was I? Oh yeah. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. If we're going to assist God, if we're going to be used by God in breaking Babylon, we need to make sure that we are in Babylon 
And Babylon is not in us. Make sure we're in Babylon, but Babylon is not in us. Jesus said multiple times in the book of John that he was not of this world. He went on to say that his kingdom is not of this world. We know that the command of God to Israel was to come out from among them and be holy as I am holy. Listen, folks, you have been called to be ambassadors to this culture. You have been called to be the light bearers of this culture. You have been called to be the ones to bring love and hope and healing and life to your neighbors in this culture. That's what God wants to do with you. That's what God is planning to do with you. Why? Because you're not ruled by this kingdom. You don't live, you, you don't live day-to-day choices based on how I feel now. We should be living day-to-day choices based on what is to come. It's greater. At all times, in all circumstances, choose holiness. At all times, in all circumstances, no matter the cost, no matter how you feel, no matter what you're going to get for it, choose holiness. If you're going to break Babylon, you're going to have to muster up some intestinal fortitude, get some resolve and self-control. Now, when I say resolve, I'm not talking about that spray stuff you spray on the carpet. Which, there is a parallel there. It gets stains out. Where did that come from? That's the Holy Spirit, y'all. If you get stains out, it'll clean you up. You get some resolve, it'll clean you up, folks. Daniel got some resolve and he said, you know what? I'm not going to cross that line. I'm done. And I'm not going to eat your meat. And I'm not going to drink your wine. I just can't do it. I'm asking permission. Something in Daniel clicked. Something clicked from compromise to no compromise. Look, I ain't in Kansas anymore, Toto. I'm sure he turned around and looked at the other and said, we're not doing this. Either we're going to start to honor God now, or we're not honoring Him at all. You see, the meat thing was a big deal. To a Jew in Gentile land, it's a big deal. First of all, he wasn't supposed to be over there. (laughs) Number two, he lives there now. Number three, he's got to eat. He's in a really good place. He's in the palace. That's a good place to eat. Can I get an amen? Unless they serve those really expensive little bitty meals. I don't like those. Because I don't get full. This body needs a lot of calories. Keep it going. So he's in the palace. But something clicked. You know what? We've been people of compromise for so long. I'm done compromising. I can't do this. Meat's a big deal. It depended on what kind of meat it was. It depended on how it was prepared. Depended on whether or not it had the blood in it. Amen. Depending on whether or not it had been sacrificed to idols. He had no control over the food. And he knew that the food, they're going to bring it. It's not going to be to my standard. It doesn't matter what it is. It's not going to be. Even if it was kosher, it wasn't going to be prepared in the right way. And it's not going to be kosher. This is not kosher. And so he did something really brave. He asked permission. To not defile himself. Hear what I'm saying. He says, I'm a, I'm a believer in Jehovah God. And our standards won't allow us to eat that. And I would prefer not to defile myself against God. The fact that he had the favor enough to ask in this situation is mind-boggling. 
He was a slave. He could have been killed. He could have been excommunicated. In, in most people's mindsets, we look in and we think, wow, you know what? He, he, he might have been better off if he just shut his mouth and comply and be quiet and say, you know what? God knows where I am. God's going to understand. How many times have we said that, church? God's, God knows. God knows my heart. That's the problem. He does know your heart. And he knows that you're not just trying to do his will by being compliant with everybody. You're doing that because you're afraid. You're doing it because you're fearful. You're doing it because you don't want to step out and do the right thing. So many times in the workplace, we're in the, in the, in the break room and saying, wow, you know what? That was really funny. That joke, that conversation, these people, these things that keep coming up. We allow ourselves to be a part of it. And we say, well, you know, God knows my heart and, 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 you know, God doesn't want me to upset or offend anyone. God doesn't, and He'll understand. He knows where I'm at. It's just work and it's how work is. God will understand. Listen to me, folks. Daniel was done with that mentality. Daniel said, I'm either going to honor God with my life now or I'm not going to honor God with my life now. He knew that this decision was a big decision of either I'm going to serve him or I'm not going to serve him. It's not my day to pick and choose how to serve God. It's my day to decide to serve God the way God has picked and chose for me to serve him. And he said, I can't eat the meat. I just can't do it. It's a big deal. He had resolve. We have to understand that no matter what the consequence, Daniel was going to take it. It's the exact same thing that Moses faced. In Hebrews 11, it says this, that by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. And what Daniel just did is, is he stopped and said, I don't care what privileges I have in the palace. I don't care what they're giving me. I don't care if they pat me on the back. I don't care if they raise me up. I am not going to follow their path. I am going to follow God's path. And if it brings suffering into my life, if I lose friends over this, if I lose favor over this, if I lose good food over this, who cares? I'm not doing it anymore. Some of us need that kind of a resolve in our lives again because we've compromised so much. The last time we said, I will not do that. It's been so long we can't even remember it. The last time we put our foot down and said, that's not good for our home, I'm shutting it off. Folks, we could go down a long list that I don't have time to go down. You know what it is that God deals with in your life. Consider those things. Thirdly, remain faithful and fervent even when it is foolish to do so. Daniel 1 verse 9 through 14 says this, Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord the King who has signed your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse Than the other young men of your age, the king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel and his friends, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. If we're going to break Babylon church, we must never leave God out of the equation. And what I mean by this is is this. 
The challenge was this from Daniel. He said, why don't you test us and see if what we do is right by honoring our God? Why don't you test us and see? This isn't about a vegetarian diet. You know how many times I've heard this, folks, I'm going to use a word I shouldn't use. Crap. Because that's what it is. Now, if you're a vegetarian, don't get offended. I'm not, I'm not talking about vegetarians. I'm talking about Christian people who beat you over the head with the Bible and tell you that the Daniel fast was all about vegetables. Number one, you're stupid. Number two, it has nothing to do with vegetables except that that's what they ate. Number three, has everything to do with honoring God and being better for it. Tell me i got to eat vegetables. Cook them in bacon grease. I'll eat them. <laughs> Smother them with cheese. Stay with me now. Say bacon grease and cheese and it's race Sunday. Everybody's saying it's about noon. Right? <laughs> you know that God, I'm just leaving my notes because I've got so much that I've got to say that I don't have time to say. You know that God wants, this is what God wants for you and I today in our culture in America. He wants you to choose holiness. Okay? Yes, is that going to be a sacrifice? Yeah. In our culture, it's going to have some level of sacrifice to it. He wants you to choose holiness. And He wants you to live your life in such a way that those who are lost can look in and see that you're better for it. Not better than them, better for it. You're not one of those Christians that's walking around saying, well, sorry guys, I can't go to the bar with you. I'm a Christian. Sorry guys, I can't, you know, I don't, I, I can't drink anymore. I used to drink. And Listen man, be better for it. Have some joy in your life. Have the peace of God in your life. Amen? Resolve in yourself and say, listen, you go ahead and make fun of me for not being involved with your nonsense. Go ahead. Ten days later, See, it's the same conversation that I've had with my kids. When kids were defiant and encouraging drug and alcohol abuse and all these kinds of things, and giving uh, teenagers as well, when I was a youth pastor, giving a hard time because they wouldn't go down that path. And I say, you know what? You stick on the path you're on and let them stick on the path they're on. If they don't repent, see who's better off in 10 years. Listen, we've got to choose holiness and let them see that it's good. We've got to. Do you know that there's revelation found in holiness? There's a divine revelation that's going to be found by these individuals because they come in and see that there's a work done in Daniel's life and his friend's life because of God. Do you know that bringing God to people, sometimes the best thing we can do is make the right decision, live out the right things in front of them, and let them get the revelation of, aha, wow, God does work. Jesus is real. You want to know why our culture doesn't think there's a God and why God isn't real? It's because we've had so many hypocrites in and out of the church for so long that they don't believe it. You say, test my life. Watch me. They say, I've been watching you a long time. I know what's up with you. I told you before the story of someone saying, well, I was inviting a family uh, to church and they, they were lost, absolutely lost people. And they told me they've been attending your church a long time. I said, yeah, I know. I know who they are. What's up there? I said, just rebellion. Unwillingness to submit themselves to God. 
Lies, deception. Come to church, say one thing, leave, do something different. They've heard truth week in, week out. I don't know what to do with them. Some of you are looking at me like you're shocked right now. We have people like that in our church? That's just one family. This is my home church. I know everybody here. Listen, man, I, I played the game. I played the game for years. I don't anymore. Some of y'all are still in it. Get out. You're going to lose. Some of you are really uncomfortable right now. I don't mean to make you uncomfortable. I'm just speaking truth to you. Get right with Jesus. Quit playing the church game. It ain't going to work. You're a reason why people don't want to come here. I've had people say, Pastor, I'd love to go to your church, but this person goes there, this person goes there, this person goes there. I say, well, who cares about this person, this person, this person? You're looking for a perfect church? You're not going to find one. Some churches have a whole lot of those people in them. Well, I don't want to come to church and be a hypocrite. Well, don't come to church and be a hypocrite. Get saved. It's good. It's a good thing. But the revelation the church in America has been sending for so many years is, is we've made ourselves a laughing stock. We've made either extreme stupid rules like you've got to wear a dress, have your hair in a bun, you can't wear makeup. Those are stupid. That's not holiness. I heard a preacher say recently, well, it was Pastor Ron, wasn't it? He said, if you, get, if you get excited over an ankle, you've got a problem. That's not holiness. But neither is, hey, you know, show as much skin as you want. God gave you that body and bless God, I worship it with you. <laughs> That's not holiness. There's got to be the Spirit of God injected into people's lives to where they respond to truth and they go, wow, you know what? I, maybe I should cover up a little bit. Maybe I should make sure I, I guard myself. Maybe I should guard my eyes. Maybe I should do this. Listen, I need to move on. I'm meddling now. But the reality is this. Uh, Dr. Bradford at District Council said this last week. He said the problem with America is, is that they've forgotten the identity of who God is. They chant, God is love, 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 love. God is just. He's just. He's just, just, just. God is merciful, merciful. Yes, 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 mercy. But then you've got to stop and think about what's being sung around the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and who is to come. Listen to me, folks. That has power. Everything He is, everything we just said about Him, He is, but it flows from His holiness. He's holy. And the people of God need to be holy, and we must live as holy. I need to move on. Fourthly, we will receive favor and power when we choose when we choose holiness. Verse 15, at the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. And every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. 
What did God give these young men? He gave them favor. He gave them physical health. He gave them supernatural physical health. He gave them natural intelligence. How many of you believe God can actually give you wisdom when you didn't have wisdom before? How many of you believe God can give you physical health when you didn't have physical health before? How many of you believe that God can give you favor when you didn't have favor before? That's what God is doing. And God gave Daniel spiritual gifts. He could understand visions and dreams. Listen, folks, there is power in all of these things. There is glory in all of these things. The fact that there is a holiness. They chose holiness. They chose holiness. They chose to be purified. They chose to be sanctified. They chose to set themselves apart. Whatever the cost may be. And because of it, they were tested and proven. And God made them ten times better. One time better for every day that they were holy. Listen to me. Would you like to be one time better for every day that you choose to be holy? Oh, make your choices. Listen, folks, every little choice you make is important. Every little choice you make is vitally important. Lastly, in closing, God will empower what He first makes holy. God will empower what He first makes holy. You have now, with this these young men, Daniel and his friends, who finally stepped up and said, we may be someplace that we don't want to be, but we're not going to defile ourselves anymore. We're not eating his meat. We're not going to give in to the system, if you will. And he said, we're done. And now we see that there is power that's beginning to take place in their lives. Hear me. There's a power that's beginning to take place in their lives. Some of us have not lived for God like we should have lived for God for the last 20 years. But today, you can make a decision to change things. And tomorrow, you can be better for it. And the next day, you can be even better for it. And the next day, you can be even better for it. And before long, there's things that are manifesting in your life that you didn't necessarily ask for, but because you've been purified and made holy by God, He is now able to use you in those things. You say you don't understand that concept. Let me ask you a question. Uh, Has anybody ever seen a bedpan before? Let's say you say, Pastor Bob, you know, I'm really thirsty right now. Could you bring me a glass of ice water? And I say, yeah. And I say, how much do you want? You say, I'm really thirsty. I'm like been working outside all day in the hot sun thirsty. And I want a huge glass of ice water. Let me find the biggest container I can find. You say, yeah. So I fill up a bedpan. And you sit there and you look at it and you go, no, I'm thirsty. But I'm not that thirsty. And I say, but, but I washed it. Cleaned it. It's clean. It's a clean bedpan. I just opened a package. I don't care. I don't want it. There's power in holiness. A clean vessel that's being used of God is a welcome vessel. A vessel that has not been cleaned is is a, a vessel that's going to turn people away. It's going to be a stench. It's going to be a laughing stock. And the reason so many of us are not being used like we think we should be, it's because we have not cleansed ourselves. 
I don't stand before you perfect. But I do stand before you as a person who cleanses himself. I work hard to honor God. Some days I fall short. Anybody else with me on falling short? There's a difference between falling short and perpetual hypocrisy. Amen? But listen to what Paul told young Timothy. And he really drives this point home. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, beginning in verse 20. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You know, in the Old Testament, the cry was always, put away your idols. Put away your idols. Put away your idols. Obey God. For the church today, the call is put away your idols. You say, Pastor, I don't have any idols in my house. Oh, yes, you do. And, and we know which ones they are because you're the, those are the things that you get most angry about when people touch it. You want to know what is an idol? What is it that frustrates you the most when people touch something? I'll just let that soak in for a minute. There are some things that God wants us to give up. Because here's the sad thing. We've gotten used to the Lord's name in vain. We've gotten used to people degrading Christ on our television sets. But that we get offended when somebody does something different. Somebody messes with our cable subscription. We're furious. We've got to turn it on and see him use the Lord's name in vain some more. It should be the other way around. should be, I'm so frustrated that this is all they can... This is funny. This is humor. I'm done with it. Shut it off. Should be the other way, shouldn't it? But it's because we've embraced so much slop, folks. We've embraced so much slop. I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. And the word from the Lord today is is that he's calling us back to a place of holiness. We're going to take communion together this morning in closing. And here's what I want us to do. Just because our God is a holy God, I want to remind us that in... His sacrifice on the cross is holiness. It's purity. A cleansing process that He wants to do in your life. And today, we need to consider our idols. We need to consider the things that we've held back from God. We need to repent of our sin. Allow the atonement of His blood to wash us clean and to heal us. You know there are some things in our lives that need the healing of God's touch on it to do a work or some things. This moment today, He can do that during our time together. I'm going to have our men come this morning and uh, we're going to serve you. Please hold the elements till everybody's served and we'll uh, take them together. Passage I want to use...
this morning for our communion is different than what we normally use. We usually read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, but I want to back up to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in light of what we've spoken on this morning. It says this, beginning in verse 14, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than He? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. We have to make a decision. We have to choose. Am I going to serve Christ? Or am I going to serve my flesh and the things of this world? By taking this communion together today, I trust that your decision is is that you're going to be choosing the path of holiness, path of honor before God, and a path that is going to be filled with the power of His presence. But folks, today, just as this is a symbol of Christ's body and His blood and our, our acceptance of it and His acceptance of us, let this be also a day of rejection of our flesh and the things of this world. And say, today I resolve to not defile myself any longer with the things of this world. The night our Lord was betrayed, He took the bread and He broke it. And He gave thanks. And He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Father, today we are grateful for your body being broken. It was a holy body. It was a body that lived out holiness and did a work Today is doing work still all around the world in power. And Father, we want to be people who are a part of your loaf, a part of your body. And God, we we know that your prayer in the book of John was that we would be in you and you in us and that we would all be in the Father just as you are and the Spirit in us, God. We want to be one with you. And Lord, as we partake these elements this morning, we do so in honor to you, God, and we ask that you would do a work in our lives. Some of us, Lord, need to be cleansed. Some of us, Lord, need to have some things fall off of us spiritually. Changing our attitudes and our life's decisions, God. We want to honor you with with our lives. I pray for your presence on each one of us. In Jesus' name. Let's take the bread together.
In the same way he took the cup, he blessed it. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. A new covenant. Do this as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. Father, we remember you. Remember the blood of Jesus. Remember holiness. And we pray, Father, for an atoning, atoning work done in our lives, the cleansing of your blood. Forgive us for our sins and our unrighteousness. Cleanse us from the latter so that we can be used for noble purposes today. We receive from you, Father, all that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just stand with me and thank Him this morning? You are so good. Make us holy, Lord. Make us holy, O God. Purify us. Make us vessels, Lord, that are used for noble purposes. Cleanse us, O God. Cleanse our minds from Babylon. Cleanse our hearts from Babylon, God. Let us feed upon Your Word, the bread of life. Daily, day in, day out, let us be shown to be ten times better for it. God, I pray that you would just begin a work in this church and its members, Father, in each life that's here. Transform them, God. Transform each one of us to do your work in Jesus' name. Amen. I said last week, I said there's something that God spoke to me I didn't wasn't comfortable telling you yet but I guess now's the time we're done some of you are afraid I'm going to preach again I'm not but just hold with me for a minute I was at district council something pastor Ron said when he was here right before I went to district council he said uh, is 10% of the city too much to ask remember you hearing that and uh, something just I don't know that just struck a chord in me and uh, I was at district council and it was the middle of the service and had nothing to do with anything again. God interrupts me all the time when I'm doing other things. And he said, Bob, do you want the city? I said, yeah. He said, claim it. Okay. So he laid on my heart. He said, you need to start doing prayer walks. I've never done prayer walks before in my life. I, I, I mean, look at me. I don't walk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I, so the Lord, this is spirit led, okay? The Lord told me, so I want you to park your car. I want you to walk down Fifth Street. I want you to walk the park. When you walk past houses, I want you to pray for families in the church as I lay them on your heart. When I get to the park, I pray for kids. I pray for our next generation. I pray for our teens. I pray for our youth. I pray for our youth programs down there and that God would touch our kids. I turn back up Third Street. I, uh, I, I go up 3rd Street and I'm walking through houses again. I'm praying for families in our church, praying uh, God would move in your lives and raise you up. I get to a gas station. I'm supposed to pray for the fire of God. I pray for the fire of God every time I pass a gas station. God, let your spirit fuel things in the church. I go past uh, the Catholic church. I pray for the Catholics because God knows they need it. Then I move on. It's a joke. It's a joke. I move past the Catholic church and I, I, uh, each time I go past a funeral home, which we've got two here in town, I pray for the lost. I go past CVS, I pray for healings. 
I go past another gas station. I pray for the fire of God. I get up by County Market. I pray that our church people would fall in love with the Word of God and feed themselves on it every day, day in, day out. With the court, uh, courthouse to my left, I get up to the corner. I pray for the, the courthouse. I pray for our leaders local. I pray for our state. I pray for our national leaders. I pray for our servicemen. I pray for our, our uh, policemen and our firemen all the way up to the corner where I pass. Oh, I forgot to tell you about the banks. When I go past banks, I pray for uh, your jobs to be blessed. I pray for finances to be blessed in your homes. I pray for the finances of the church to be blessed. When I get to the bank over on the corner of 5th Street, coming back from post office, I pray for the banks in the sense of for all of the churches down 5th Street. I pray for the Methodist church when I go by. I pray for the Baptist church when I go by. I pray for, oh, when I go past AT&T, I pray that God would make a clear and open connection so that our people will hear the voice of God. I walk past more houses. I pray for more people in the church. I end up at the school. I'll pray for our teachers. I pray for our administration. I pray for our students. And I end up here at the church refreshed and on fire because I know that God's going to do a work in this town. Will you claim it with me? I'm not going to take it by force, not with anger, not with hatred, not with beating doors down and being mean to people. We're going to love people so much they don't even know how to respond to it. And we're going to be strong in our faith. And we're going to be holy. And we're going to teach the truth as it is. And we're going to see signs and wonders. It's the truth. It's the truth. So go in the blessing of God. Go in the power of God. Have a blessed week. Know that you've got a pastor that loves you and is praying for you. And we will continue to do so. Walk in holiness. Amen. Amen. God bless. You are dismissed.